the good morning friends and it is Friday and a beautiful morning. Thank you for joining us. My name is Pastor Gerald and you are listening to Grace Waves brought to you by Greater Grace Church, South Africa. What a beautiful opportunity it is today to know and to think about God's purpose once more. And today we'll just quickly recap on everything that we have spoken about this week. On Monday we spoke about the fact that you have purpose. Remember friends that God made you for a purpose and with a purpose. And there is not any one of us that is insignificant in the plan of God. God would not have made us if He did not want to use us in His plan. And Tuesday we said that this purpose that we have is indeed an eternal purpose. And that eternal purpose is to glorify God. For we were made for His glory. And to glorify God means to shine forth His light. To to reveal who He is. To lift up who He is. So when we glorify God, we are also making Him known to the world, like we said two weeks ago, that when we love, we glorify God, the people will know that we are the disciples of Jesus when we love one another. And that is one way of glorifying God. On Wednesday we said that God has a purpose for us, but we need to respond to this purpose, to the calling that He has for us. For this is a personal relationship with Him that is important. And God calls us to a relationship with Him. And in that relationship we find our purpose, which is what we spoke about on Thursday. That our focus is not on our purpose, though we have great purpose. But we do not live a purpose-driven life. But we live... A God-driven life, a life that is centered and focused around Jesus Christ. And in that relationship, in that walking with Him, He leads us into our purpose. He shows us what His will is for us every day. He shows us as we go on what His plan is for, our specific plan is for our lives. Because you see, friends, there is really no way for us to know up front what our purpose is going to be. And I'm not, I'm not speaking about glorifying God. We know there's certain purposes that we know in the Bible that is our purpose. But it's pertaining to the specific will of God for our lives, the plan that God has for your life that He wants to use you in. There is no way for you to know up front. Our purpose is not a contract. God does not give you a contract say, well... Uh, if you follow me, then uh, I will do this and this and this with you, and uh, this is the plan I have, and you're going to uh, preach to so many people, you're going to reach so many people, or change someone's life, and, you know, <laughs> it's not a contract, friends, it is a relationship. In Ephesians 3, verse 20 to 21, the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Unto Him be glory in the church, by Jesus Christ, through all the ages, without end. Amen. 
You see, friends, that if you think about the people in the Bible that had amazing purpose, that the people we read about still today, thousands of years later, they did not know that God would use them in such a way. They did not know that, that their purpose was so great, that it had such a significant place in history and in the lives of millions of other believers. Think about David. David did not know that God had the purpose for him to be a king. When David was just a shepherd, he was just getting to know God. He was just doing what he was doing. And in while doing shepherding the sheep, he was learning about God and getting to know Him and building that relationship. But God used him for amazing, amazing things in his life. The same thing with Moses. When God called Moses out of the burning bush, he did not know how significant his role would be in history. He did not know how great things God would do through him. He just followed the calling of God. Think about Peter and John and James. When Jesus came on the shore and they were fishing and Jesus said, follow me. They just left everything and followed him, not knowing what purpose God had for them, not knowing what significant place they would have in the history of the church and the establishment of the church. But they just followed him because they desired to know him. Think about Abraham. It says about Abraham that he did not know the country which where God led him. God just said, Abraham, get out of your country and I'll give you a new country. I'll give you a place, a family, a child, an inheritance. Abraham didn't know where God was leading him. But he followed because he trusted God, because he had that relationship, that faith in God. Because you see, friends, when we have that relationship with God, when we trust Him, there is no limit to what God can do through us and in us. In a person's life that is surrendered wholly unto God, literally our purpose is limitless. It is up to God to what He wants to do through us, but do we as vessels we are available and that is really friends the important part is that we are surrendered and that we have that relationship with him and god will do things and has a plan for your life that goes beyond your imagination that goes beyond what you can ask him but you have to follow him you have to walk with him in order to know that plan and to see that plan of god come to realization god will not make a contract with you God desires a relationship with you. So at the close of this week, I would like to play you a biography of an amazing man. And this is just an example of a person who had no clue what God would do through him, but God used him in a way that was beyond anybody's imagination. No one even expected this. And this person just wanted to follow God and do what God desired of him. And God used him in absolute amazing ways. There's actually a, a town named after him in Zambia. And this man is called David Livingston. And um, I'm going to play a short story or a short biography that is told by Ravi Zacharias. And if you've never read the story about David Livingston, I urge you, do yourself a favor, get a biography on him and just read it on this weekend. You'll, you'll be blessed by reading it and really enjoy to see what God can do through a man that is available. So here is 
David Livingston's life in a very short biography, but enjoy it. I remember telling this story at Amsterdam to the itinerant evangelist, and at the end of it, a Scotsman came and gave me a one-liner about that story that I won't forget. I told him this story. David Livingston was born in Blantyre, Scotland, in 1813. He was born into a home where his father used to put him on his knee and read to him stories of great missionary exploits, one particularly Carl Gutzlaff, the Dutch missionary, who doubled up as a medical missionary too. And young David used to look into his father's eyes and say, you know, Daddy, one day I'm going to be a man like that. I want to be a missionary. I want to be a doctor. I want to serve God. So David Livingston in his young life got on his knees one day and he prayed this prayer. He said, send me anywhere. Only go with me. Lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. Sever any ties but the ties that bind me to your service and to your heart. And he said, through it all, the words of God came to me. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. He packed his bags and he went off to Africa. And when he took one glimpse of Africa from a distance, he penned in his journal these words. The haunting specter of the smoke of a thousand villages in the morning sun has burned within my heart. The haunting specter of the smoke of a thousand villages in the morning sun has burned within my heart. He married a woman of the famous Moffat family. Mary was her name. Her father had been a great missionary. But David Livingston's life was one of an ex explorer and he would move from place to place and his only goal was Jesus in the hearts and lives of men and women, thousands of them. Finally, his wife and his young family couldn't keep up with him anymore. Some of his children were dying out of sickness and disease. And he said, Mary, why don't you take them back home and I will see you shortly and spend some more time with you. It's too dangerous for us to go on. So he sent his dear wife Mary back home and letters would take months to exchange. But some of the fondest letters of love and romance were exchanged between David and Mary. And you know when he saw her the next time? Not five weeks. Not five months, five years. As an evangelist, I can't even stay away five weeks now. As a matter of fact, it's been a long time since I've stayed away that long, and I don't intend doing it anymore. Five days is long enough. Five months I would never dream of and never want to do. Five years. I am neither condemning the man nor exalting the man. I'm just telling you what went on in his life. Five years later, when he set eyes upon his wife, she could not recognize him. Because at one stage in his jungle travels, going to preach, he'd walked into the branch of a tree that had completely blinded him in one eye and marred the other. His face had been burnt under the African sun to a crisp and leather, and his body not being pigment, skin not being pigmented for it, it had roasted him to a point that his body really could not take any longer. His face marred and scarred, his eye blinded. At one time he'd been attacked by a lion that had torn one of his shoulders apart. He miraculously escaped. And now she saw her husband hobbling in with a marred face and a disfigured physical countenance. And yet, hours before he arrived, they had buried his father. And David wept because he'd longed to look at his dad and tell him stories firsthand that his father had only told him thirdhand. Biographical sketches tell us that when David Livingston walked into every university in the British Isles, students and faculties would rise to a standing ovation. They knew they were standing in the presence of a giant of a man. Finally, he went back to his wife one day and he said, Honey, the haunting specter of the smoke of a thousand villages in the morning sun is still burning within my heart. We need to go back. 
And at one point she decided that he should go, but she couldn't. She had to be with the children. She said, when they're all old enough, I will join you again, David. And he set off on his lonely journey to preach to the African people who were so much within his heart. Finally, after a long time, Mary joined him. And the day she set foot on African soil, she contracted the disease that they so dreaded she would contract. The very day she set foot, she got that disease. And a few days later, he was burying her. Lowered into the soil of the African earth there. An eyewitness said, David Livingston knelt beside the grave and he was weeping his heart out. And they overheard him praying, my Jesus, my King, my life, my all. I again consecrate my life to thee. I shall place no value in anything I possess or in anything I may do except in relation to thy kingdom and to thy service. And through it all there came the words of God to my heart, he said, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. He picked up his belongings and walked back towards his village, hometown village of Ujiji. When he arrived and went into his little home there, he found out somebody had played a cruel joke on him and stolen his medication that he so needed because his body was racked with pain, untold pain. He walked in constant agony. And they said in one of the very few times in his life for praying for himself, he got down on his knees and wept and he said, God, you promised that you would always be with me. I need that medication if I'm to continue to preach the gospel. And as he prayed, he heard steps. And as the story goes, he saw a pair of feet planted in front of him and his countenance lifted for the first time. In a long while, he was looking into the face of a white man who didn't live in Africa. And he said, who are you, sir? And he says, Mr. Livingston, I presume. You get that famous line from there. He looks at him and says, Mr. Livingston, I presume. He says, yes, sir. He says, Mr. Livingston, I'm a press reporter consigned to do your, a story on your life. I want you to know two things about me. Number one, I'm the biggest swaggering atheist on the face of the earth. Please don't try to convert me. Number two, somebody has sent some medication for me for you. He says, give me the medication, please. And Mr. Henry M. Stanley started to travel with David Livingston. Four months later, the biggest swaggering atheist on the face of the earth knelt down on African soil and gave his life to Jesus Christ. One of the best biographies you'll ever read, two volumes entitled Livingston of Africa by Henry M. Stanley. He said, the power of that Christ life was awesome, and I had to buckle in. I couldn't hold out any longer. Finally, as his body began to shrivel with high temperatures and pain, they used to carry him around from village to village on a stretcher. One day, preaching from a stretcher with his heart, body literally trembling, he finally looked at two of his national brothers and says, Please take me back home. I am very, very ill. I'm very tired. I need some sleep. They brought him back to his little home and were about to spill him over onto the bed when he says, No, please help me onto my knees. And Livingston buckled down on his knees by the side of his bed and clasped his hands and started to pray. His prayers were so profound, his sanctuary was so unique that the African brothers felt there was no, it would be blasphemy to stay in this single union, communion with God. And they stepped out of his little room. And then somebody came running and said, I need to see Mr. Livingston for a moment. They said, shh, quiet please, he's praying. Five minutes went by, they looked in, he was still on his knees. Several minutes went by, looked in, still he was on his knees. A protracted period of time went by, they turned in, he was still on his knees. Till one of them felt the man was just too tired to continue to pray. He needed to get some sleep. They walked over towards him and one of them shook him by the shoulders and said, Buana, Buana. And Livingston fell over. He was dead. He died exactly the way he had lived. In the presence of his Lord. He didn't run from his voice. 
He didn't wave a lamp that had no light in it. He didn't sell his soul for some earthly pleasure. But the haunting specter of the smoke of a thousand villages had burned itself within his heart till he could say, My Jesus, my King, my life, my all, I again consecrate myself to thee. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed that. I really hope that it will touch your heart and your thoughts today that you realize that there is no limit to what God can do through you. And all that God requires of us is just to follow Him, to walk with Him, to be focused on getting to know Him, to be surrendered to His will. May you have a blessed weekend. May God really continue to work in you and through you. And may you have a wonderful time with your friends and family this weekend. And please join us again next week as we continue Grace Waves on a new theme for the week. And thank you so much for your support. Please feel free to visit our website, greatergracesa.org, for more information. God bless you, friends.